I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got one of the few icons of Echoes that everybody knows, and we'll hear from Desensitized. Desensitized is the ambient duo of Deborah Martin and Dean DeBenedictus of Surface 10, both recording artists in their own right with very different styles of music. We found out how they came together to record Hemispherica Portalis, Portal 1000 Years, a surreal approach to ambience. We can only process so much information at a time, and so we've become desensitized to the organic world around us, the plants, the trees, the nature. So we wanted to make a statement that we're not desensitized because of the sensitivity of the music that we were able to create and the depth of it, where we could go emotionally. Then we'll hear the 10th icon of Echoes, Enya. Her layered vocal sound has been part of all 31 years of the show. We'll hear her story from Kalanid to superstardom. Before we get to that, let me tell you about Echoes Online, our streaming subscription service. You can get all 10 hours of Echoes programming we produce each week and a backlog of some 30-plus shows and exclusive online-only streams. And you can do it all on your free Echoes app. The public stations in your area are clueless or you want a more convenient listening time, like whenever you want find out about Echoes Online at echoes.org. And now let's increase our sensitivity for Desensitized. Desensitized is a duo of Deborah Martin, who has recorded several melodic electronic albums on the Spotted Peccary label, and Dean DeBenedictus, who has recorded Electronica as Surface 10, released several solo albums that experiment with electronic sound design, and he even plays in electrofusion group Stratos Ensemble. As Desensitized, they create a deep electronic ooze that's like the birth of an ecosystem. Desensitize is kind of a downer name for a band. It connotes a heavier sound, and in fact, there are several bands with that name that sound more like this. But Dean DeBenedictus and Deborah Martin's Desensitize isn't a heavy metal sonic assault. It's a deep electronic immersion.
They have a rationale for the name, Dean De Benedictus speaking to me on Zoom from his home in Los Angeles. Culturally, it's used for a very narrow connotation that usually just means you're desensitized to the ills of the world or the violence of the world, and nobody ever really uses the term for anything else. But I, I find it a universal term because there's a lot of aspects of the world and life that we're desensitized to uh, without even realizing it. It's kind of a flatlining from extremes. And we do flatline from lots of different extremes as a kind of a protection mechanism, I think, on a subconscious level. The world, I think, has become saturated, oversaturated, with so many things that are happening faster and faster that we can only process so much information at a time. And so we've become desensitized to the organic world around us, the plants, the trees, the nature, that type of a thing. So we wanted to make a statement that we're not desensitized because of the sensitivity of the music that we were able to create and the depth of it, where we could go emotionally. There seems to be a bit of a pretzel logic to this, but then they could have wound up with another name. I wanted a name for our group to match all the song titles, so I came up with Desenteri was the actual real name. Desenteri. And Dean goes, I'm kind of having a problem with the name Desenteri. And I said, why? And he said, because it sounds like dysentery. <laughs> and I started cracking up. I said, dysentery? No, it's Desenteri. He goes, no, no, no. People are going to see that and they're just going to say dysentery. We can't do it, Deborah. I just can't live with it. And I said, okay, well, let's use the English translation, desensitized. <laughs> Ago, the pair gathered in Martin's Vancouver, Washington studio for a couple of weeks. The Benedictus was a recording artist on Martin's Spotted Peccary label, but they hadn't played together before. Although the two artists had a divergent approach to music, they seemed to find common ground in deep ambience. We didn't know what it was going to be. We only knew that we're such different artists that it's going to be interesting and, and most likely cool. We kind of improvised textural ambient jam sessions and then I I realized you know we both are known for making music that's a little more on the compositional side so I knew that I could trust Deborah to go ahead and turn these jam sessions into more of a compositional production uh, without me actually having to be that much part of it. I wouldn't even so much call it a jamming session because as soon as I started playing something Dean just intuitively went right to where he needed to be and just did it. He goes, I'm adding this. And we're just both recording separately at the same time in the room, loving what we're hearing. And it just created this spatial vortex that we were in at that time. And everything that I played, he started building on. Then I would build on something he would play.
is an aura of mystery to Hemispherica Portalis. The music seems to emanate from other worlds or calling out from distant dreams. A sonar ping on Conchinus Dracus sounds like it's coming from another dimension. Many of these are hybrid sounds created by Dean De Benedictus. I think for that piece, that pinging metal in the distance is actually one of many sounds that I created for a specific library that is voice sounds that are recorded into a drum hit. And this is what I've been using for a lot of the music I've been making over the last decade. And that's what it is. It's either a, somebody singing a note or a scream or a syllable from a conversation that gets caught in a drum hit. And then I just isolate that and put it in the sampler and use it. on Hemispherica Portalis sound like a cross between Latin and a Harry Potter magic incantation. Put Formulata Oblivinus or Ecumenicus Orato into Google Translate and they just come back as themselves. I wanted to create something that was otherworldly to fit the music that we were doing because I think when you come up with names that aren't familiar instead of being a semantically labeled correct name, when you come up with something out side of that scope, people are going to look at that and go, what is that? Like in all these movies, Lord of the Rings, you have the elfin language and all of these different, it's similar to that thinking, I think, but it makes people think differently, step outside the box a little bit. So that's why we, I thought it'd be cool to do. Martin also crafted impressionistic descriptions. It made sense to describe the songs, I think. For example, Formulata Oblivinus was if you had a wizard out there in the universe trying to say, okay, today I'm going to make a new planet, and he has this big cauldron, and he's throwing in different elements that he's mixing together. That's that rhythmic movement that you're talking about. That's how I described it to Dean, and he said, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> wrote this for Saltus Nominus. Floating seabeds. We are natural curiosity seekers. The wholeness of becoming occurs in the letting go, allowing discovery to flow unimpeded, as if floating, being suspended in time.
The album is elaborately packaged with a trifold sleeve and booklet with imagery for every song by Daniel Pipitone. He's an artist who does most of Spotted Peccary's artwork. Speaking on Zoom from his home in Pittsburgh, he says he immersed himself in the music and Martin's imagery. They were creating elaborate sound worlds, but along with that I needed to pair that with equally elaborate visual worlds. And so they needed to be alien and there needed to be elements in there that were familiar. So it really sort of challenged the listener and the viewer to sort of engage with the, the music and the visuals at that, that same kind of level. On Ecumenica Sorato, he creates a forest scene of crop circle-like grass and ascending streams of light. It is a bit gentle and it is a bit elegant, but there's also, I think, a tension in the music. And because of that, it was almost like these elements that swirled around the center. And so the visuals definitely needed to allude to that. It was a balance between having this you know, serene, beautiful setting, but within it, needed to be this just a touch of harshness um, intention that the music itself builds and so that's I think what when I listened to it that's what I heard and that's also the way Deborah described it. concept of the debut by Desensitized is to take you into new worlds, to bring you a sense of languid awe. So I'll leave you with Deborah Martin's words of the opening and title track. Hemispherica portalis, portal of a thousand years. Partake in the sublime retreat of sonic beauty, transitioning between elements of the natural world and modern auspices of science. A divine revelation of balance between the living world and what exists in the depths below. Hemispherica Portalis, Portal of a Thousand Years by Desensitized, is out on Spotted Peccary. I'll have a link for the desensitized album, Hemispherica Portalis, Portal of a Thousand Years, in the posting for this podcast. And now, another icon of Echoes as we count up the 30 that you chose for our first 30 years. This is the 10th icon, Enya. Echoes launched in 1989, Enya was all the rage with her breakthrough album Watermark. Orinoco Flow was the big hit from that CD, but we were always attracted to the more atmospheric and darker hues of songs like Cursum Perficio and Storms in Africa. At her best, 
Enya created a rarefied world of multi-tracked vocals, often overdubbing her voice up to a hundred times, merging it with Irish airs and ambient moods. Although she's gotten sweeter with every recording, listeners voted her number 10 among 30 icons of Echoes. Kimberly Haas peels back the vocal layers of Enya. Enya creates a rich wave of vocal harmonies, turning herself into a choir by painstakingly overdubbing her own voice onto sweet Celtic-inflected melodies and swooning synthesizer arrangements. It's a sound the singer discovered while working with her longtime producer, Nikki Ryan, on the soundtrack for a BBC television series called The Celts. It's to do with the multivocal sound. That's the real new sound that has happened from the experimenting. And it's basically uh, recording hundreds and hundreds of vocals till the sound actually evolves. It wasn't a new concept even in the late 1980s. Avant-garde composer Joan Barbara and rock singer Kate Bush had been doing it for years. It's the way the Carpenters built up the rich vocal layers of their pop sound in the 1960s and 70s. But Enya's marriage of mystical appeal and Irish melodies has taken the singer to an almost mythic plateau. When you talk about Enya, you're really talking about a triumvirate of people. Enya the singer, keyboardist, and composer, Nikki Ryan, the producer and sound designer, and Nikki's wife, Roma Ryan, the lyricist. Enya is the three of us together, and if you take out one of us, there would Enya wouldn't exist anymore. If you take away Roma, it would collapse. If you take away Nikki, it would collapse. If you take away me, it would collapse. So it's very much a three-way uh, partnership. Roma Ryan leaves it up to her husband and Enya to interpret her words which are written in many languages, including English, Latin, Gaelic, and Loxian, a language she invented. Roma Ryan is usually interpreting Enya's life and emotions, even on personal songs about the singer's grandparents, or explorations of Enya's diary on Book of Days. She always likes it that the themes are something that revolve around being some way that I would feel comfortable about singing about it, I would enjoy the theme, or if it's directly involving me. The name Enya is a phonetic spelling and pronunciation of her Irish name. 
Born in County Donegal in 1961, she was a member of Clannad, the Irish folk rock group that's made up of her brothers and uncles and fronted by her older sister, Moya Brennan. It's to hear that her elaborate vocal harmonies can be traced. We always had an interest in harmony. Uh, as far back as uh, when we were growing up, we used to, my mother used to enter us into competitions, and one of the sections was uh, where the most of the family were singing in like four-part harmony, and it's something we grew up with, and we all had a great love for it, and we seem to have brought it into our music as such. But even in Clannad, it's a different type of harmony as uh, the harmony I do now. Perhaps it's those childhood memories that informed the exuberance of her hit single, Orinoco Flow. It stands out from the more melancholic textures that dominated her breakthrough album, Watermark. It was a strange piece to work on. We were attracted to the sound first of all, the pizzicato sound, and Nikki said, let's write a piece with this particular sound. So we did, but um, the first lyric we had was sail away, sail away, sail away. And then when we came to the verse to uh, write the lyrics for it, Roma said that the chorus was so positive about the sailing away that she thought it'd be nice to have the whole song about sailing all over the world in this big ship. And then Nikki said that it was very rhythmic and it reminded him of a children's skipping song. And he said to her, make it all rhyme or else keep it very rhythmic. And so she did, hence the Orinoco flow uh, from Bali to Cali, from Peru to Cebu. So um, it was basically a fun song. There's always at least one song like Orinoco Flow on an Enya album, but most of her music is based in a more contemplative sound, a mix of Irish airs, Gothic hymns, and folk balladry. They're all amplified and reflected through her layered vocal choirs and cathedrals of reverb. I'd say uh, you could point the finger at me when it comes to reverb and stuff like that. I had a great love for atmosphere. I don't think twice about it. I don't think maybe we should do less of this, maybe we should do more. I just do what I feel is necessary. That's Nikki Ryan, the architect of Enya's sound. Her songs usually begin with just a single voice and a keyboard. I don't go in to see what she does until it's finished, until the melody is finished, and then she'll say, come on in and listen to this. She works best in seclusion and uh, in, the, in the silence of the studio. And you have the wordless song at that stage because she's la the melody, maybe, and playing the basic chord structure underneath. From those simple beginnings, miniature epics like Cursum Proficio and Less Than a Pearl emerge. Oh, 
this song, Only Time, became an unofficial requiem for the 9-11 attacks when it was used in news reports and stories of that day. She sees her music as a vehicle of escape onto an island of solace. I believe, especially with this type of music, that it's nice that people can try and forget at some stage about the problems that are happening in the world and to listen to this music and uh, sometimes just think about their thoughts rather than concerning themselves continually with with problems. Kimberly Haas bringing us this profile on Enya, the 10th icon of Echoes. Except for some embarrassingly kitschy lip-sync performances on TV, Enya has never once played a live concert. And she takes ages to record albums. It's now six years since her last one, Dark Sky Island. Yet Enya has sold millions of recordings and has been entrancing listeners, embracing them with the silken cocoon of her music. She was voted number 10 of 30 Icons of Echoes. Enya is one of the few people on our 30 Icons list, besides maybe Moby, who is wildly popular well beyond the borders of Echoes. I've got a list of the five best Enya albums on the Echoes website and in the Echoes app. Just scroll down to the reviews and commentary section. I'll also have a link for it in the posting for this podcast. And you can also check out the complete list of the 30 Icons of Echoes. That's at echoes.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, Henrik Lindstrand from the group Kashmir. He's got a solo ambient piano project, and we'll be talking about that. And I've got the 11th icon of Echoes, Mike Oldfield of Tubular Bells fame. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight, on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. Thank you.